It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. It's Wednesday, the pot of tea is on the go, we're going to take a deep dive into the decade that we bizarrely call the noughties and to the football of its time. This is the Noughties Nostalgia Podcast. Today what have we got for you? Well, it's been 20 years since Leeds 4, Liverpool 3 at Elland Road and a certain Mark Viduka stealing all the accolades in that one in the Premier League. We're back in 2000 in Table Never Lies and this time to La Liga and to Spain, but first We've got to discuss Manchester United's failure to add a second Champions League to Sir Alex Ferguson's CV. So, we're in 1999. Manchester United haven't been defeated in any form of any competition since January. Ferguson's United had just won the Champions League. They've just won the Premier League. They've just won the FA Cup treble the only team in English football to do so. Ferguson's United had had previous in Europe after the Hazel disaster when they were allowed back into European competition. They'd won the Cup Winners' Cup in Rotterdam against Barcelona. They'd stumbled through the Champions League in the early 90s. They'd stumbled to hell. They'd gone to Galatasaray, lost in the last 16 and they'd bowed out with losses in Gothenburg and most memorably 4-0 in the Nou Camp in 1994 a year later. Alex Ferguson had vowed to take a team to the continent and outplay them. That was his main objective. After, they had begun that domination in England. They returned to the Champions League in 1996, of course, after missing out on winning three in a row back home and to Blackburn Rovers. 
This was of course the time where England would only receive one Champions League spot. They were schooled by Champions Juventus but would qualify in behind them but lost similarly home and away to Dortmund in the semi-finals. Those two teams of course Juventus and Dortmund would meet in the final with Dortmund of course taking that surprising win via that superb goal from Lars Ricken. But anyway, Manchester United were clearly a rung below Europe's best at this time. With them on that sort of rung was Monaco, but nonetheless, they lost to Monaco in the quarterfinals on away goals the following year. And with the tournament's expansion, United's failure to win the league title in 1998 from Arsene Wenger and Arsenal in his first full season in England meant that Manchester United would qualify regardless for the tournament. They just had to go through a playoff in Poland, which they of course came through, they of course came through Bayern Munich and Barcelona. And despite not winning against either Bayern or Barcelona in the groups, they would beat Bronby home and away, putting 11 goals past them in two games. They got drove Bayern Munich to the end, but considered a last minute sickening equaliser in Munich. And then Ferguson's dream had become a reality. Cole and York combined to deadly effect in a 3 3 draw in Barcelona. They toppled Ronaldo and Inter Milan in the quarterfinals and overturned a two-goal deficit in Turin against Juventus, Juventus who were on course for five UEFA finals in a row. They really were the team of the 90s. And then obviously late goals versus Bayern Munich won it. The name was on the trophy. They always scored. They finally conquered Europe. But would they press on? And of course, not immediately. In 2000, they wouldn't retain the Champions League, which is excusable in this time because nobody had retained the Champions League yet in the in the tournament's format, as it were. It is excusable. The tournament had shifted to two groups, so it's gone from 24 to 32 teams as well. They were handed defeats by Marseille in the last 32 group stage and Fiorentina in the last 16, but quali- qualified relatively safety, I, safely, I seem to remember. They avoided defeat versus um, Valencia in both games in the second group stage. Valencia of course would become eventual finalists meeting the team that they Manchester United would play in the quarterfinals. They held their own in Madrid a 0-0 in the quarterfinal first leg was an admirable scoreline really. Um, The hectic schedule was easier on Manchester United though with the two group stages because they had by this point this was the age of the clear dominance for United in England. They'd romp to the league titles in 2000 and 2001. Ferguson and United would add to the, add themselves to that list of winning the league title in England three times in a row that of course has only been achieved by Liverpool, Arsenal and of course Huddersfield Town. However, Fernando Redondo stole the show at Old Trafford. That little back heel that outdid, I think it was Wes Brown and Raul scored, did that little kiss in the ring celebration and they ran United ragged, winning three to Old Trafford, going through, and would eventually win the Champions League there, eighth at the time. So go on a, a further year, you've got your prawn sandwich brigade, as Roy Keane calls them, in alluding to Manchester United's um, quiet crowds at Old Trafford at the turn of 2000-2001. The format had, returned, had remained, and United were dominant in England again. They could you know, afford to rest players and could afford to rotate, especially with the new signings of Ruud van Nistelrooy and Juan Sebastian Verón, who cost them in a region of about 50 million combined. And this was um, this was in the re- sort of region where Ferguson had identified that need to play a three in midfield. They were turgid in the last 32 group stages. They weren't able to win away in the likes of Anderlecht, PSV, Dynamo Kiev, and only won at Sturm Graz in the last 16 group stages. 
followed Valencia last season's finalist and this season's finalist into the knockout stages. They got favourable groups and that sort of tweaking of the formation did help when you're playing teams like Sturm Graz and Panathinaikos. And it is probably this tepid response that prompted the, re the response from Keane. The Prawn Sandwich Brigade, not astute enough in Europe. And it was a late loss by a team that they inflicted a late loss upon a couple of years previously, Bayern Munich. And in the grand scheme of things, they were beaten by two eventual winners, Bayern Munich in 2001, who beat Valencia on penalties, and Real Madrid in 2000, who beat Valencia 3-0 in Paris. So we move on. 2002. There were horrific memories, for me at least, of Deportivo being a Manchester United fan, I might add. Home and away defeats in the first round group stages, and again, United were probably thankful for the kind groups of Lille and Olympiacos in the first round, Boavista and Nantes in the last 16. Also in that last 16 group were Bayern Munich. There were sort of 99 vibes about their um, home and away draws against Bayern. They topped the group, which they didn't in 99, so was that omen there? Of course, Ferguson was probably buoyed by a return to Glasgow for the final, and they avenged Deportivo in the quarterfinal, putting five beyond them and sort of wiping the floor with them, really. And it seemed as though, especially when Bayer Leverkusen beat Liverpool in the same half of the draw, the story was definitely geared towards Manchester United winning the Champions League 2002, Glasgow, Ferguson returning home, homecoming, all he had to do was beat Leverkusen, and of course they would exit via two draws in a nail-biter with Leverkusen, Michael Ballack's Leverkusen of course, who would be on their way to a treble of their own, but an anti-treble. Uh, but United were getting there, they only would lose to Deportivo in the first round group stages, but in 2003, they wouldn't even get to the semi-finals. And 2002-3 season is when I started going, was when I could start calling myself a match-going Manchester United fan. Went to games against Leverkusen Deportivo. You know, a continual avenging of the teams that had beaten them from the last season. Obviously, I went, I went to the Basel game, saw Gary Neville goal at Old Trafford, collector's item there. And it, it, again, it was a, co a continuation of that kind to draw you got Juve you got Juventus which was probably the hardest team that had the United had to face Ryan Giggs scoring a phenomenal goal in the Stadio delle Alpi and United looked to be hitting their stride Ruud van Nistelrooy was clearly in his peak and again Real Madrid in the quarterfinals but it was a different Real Madrid from 2000 they had the Galacticos Roberto Carlos was still there Raul was there of course but you've got Ronaldo you've got Zidane especially you've got Figo and United got beat 3-1 in the Bernabeu and then Ronaldo of course had one of the matches of his life at Old Trafford he was applauded off the pitch it, in spite of Real losing 4-3 on the night it was clear that Real were the best team Ronaldo scored an absolutely superb hat-trick and Real Madrid wouldn't even get to the final they would lose to Juventus who in turn lost to AC Milan in the final so we get to 2004 the format had changed again it was a group stage to a knockout 16 United had handed the league title back to Arsenal for the second time in three years and United were going quite well in Europe they'd only lost away to Stuttgart in the groups and I was fortunate enough to see another collector's item for United in Europe an Eric Jemba Jemba goal at Old Trafford where he scored in a 5-0 win over Panathinaikos again an easy group for United and obviously rival fans would always say that United get an easy group and they probably did get the easier draws so to speak and then in the last 16, United had Porto. Porto were 
the Europe, well, UEFA Cup champions at the time under Jose Mourinho, not much was known about him. But after the 1-1 draw at Old Trafford, everybody knew about him then. The Mourinho danced down the touchline. An away goals win in 90 minutes from Costinha. And Porto squeaked through, eventually won, getting through the likes of Leon Deportivo Monaco in quite a, an easy run to the final, a favourable run to the final. But United at this time win a lean period. Um, there were plenty of stumbling blocks. Leon were class at the time, probably better than United in 2004, to be fair. And uh, Deportivo overturned that AC Milan deficit. So they were definitely stumbling blocks. I'm th- not sure if United would have been able to achieve it. They wouldn't win the league in 2004. They wouldn't win it in 2005. And they wouldn't win it in 2006. So United were not at the peak of the Premier League. So could they focus on the Champions League? No, because in 2005, they were eliminated by AC Milan. Two Hernan Crespo goals killed Manchester United in another last 16. But United really never really looked close. AC Milan, of course, would get to the final. And of course, would lose to Liverpool. So United would have got nowhere near that final, in my opinion, anyway. So in 2006, well, they didn't even get to the, didn't even get to the Champions League in 2006 because they finished fourth in the group stage. It's the first time in my memory supporting United from 98 that I had ever seen United not not be in the knockout stages or not at least be in the tournament come the spring Roy Keane had left the club the prawn sandwiches had remained Benfica, Villarreal, Lille another easy group you know UEFA are kind to Manchester United but they finished last six points they couldn't score against Villarreal home and away nil-nil draws they couldn't beat Lille at home and their only win was a 2-1 win at home to Benfica but the inverse of that the 2-1 loss at Benfica killed United's European hopes they wouldn't even get into the UEFA Cup so that's how bad it was but as we know Ronaldo Rooney that team the new team that Ferguson had built Nani and Anderson would come in Hargreaves Carrick that team would just ascend over the next sort of five years after that to be one of the prominent English teams in Europe. 2007, they would fall to eventual champions Milan after impressing, impressing in a 7-1 win over Roma in the quarterfinals. They go out in the semi-finals. 2008, they won the entire thing. 2009, they got to another final, but only fell to one of the greatest teams ever assembled, as we know, of course, now Barcelona. 2010, they'd lose to Bayern Munich in an away goals defeat, which it was a very tight game. 2011, lost in the final to Barcelona, which was probably one of the best performances I've ever seen and there was a quite a there was apprehension on my part anyway personally going into the tie because it was obviously two years removed from them pasting us in Rome and then back in the return leg so to speak in London they would paste United again to an even bigger extent and 2012 wouldn't get to 2012 either they would get to the groups but this time had the UEFA Cup to fall back on but got beat off Marcelo Bielsa's Atletico Athletic Bilbao sorry and in 2013 the last 16 to Real Madrid and then with that Ferguson had retired and it was a sort of tale of two halves for the decade so using that cliche over a decade United had reached the top of the mountain but fell down it quite drastically to the point where last 16 defeats group stage defeats three years in a row when they had sort of returned to what was their level of being last eight semi-final always in the mix and then in what was a lean period because you had signings such as Cleberson such as Eric Jemba Jemba 
players that you know the old guard had come out and the new guard wasn't so wasn't ready yet Ronaldo Rooney they were both in their early 20s late teens perhaps with Rooney and they hadn't got up to their peak yet and obviously 2007 2008 2009 would be their peak as a team where they found the correct blend again and have never really after Ferguson of course reached that peak again they've made two quarterfinals in eight years now they've barely been in the tournament really uh, lost to Bayern Munich in 2014 under uh, Super David Moyes and 2019 with Ole Gunnar Solskjaer to Barcelona so it was a time where United was still coasting off the back of the treble win still coasting off the back of sort of a team that had won it all but couldn't replicate it and they couldn't the half generation after so to speak with Eurunis Ronaldo's where they wouldn't be able to dominate Europe United have never been able to dominate Europe like a Liverpool like an Ajax like a Bayern Munich like a Real Madrid and they've been plenty they've been able to do it in England with the only team to win the Nas- national league nations league three times in a row twice and the only manager to do it twice the only manager to do it once in all honesty and they could never find that extra gear in Europe to win it time and time and time again when for probably between 2008 and 2011 Barca aside they were probably the best team in Europe 99 to 2001 one of the best teams in Europe again but just couldn't just could not dominate because of who knows Barcelona especially for the second generation and then a mix of a a tactical shift into the early 2000s when Ferguson had to go to a three in midfield where he realised then you could not play with a 4-4-2 in Europe because you get played off the park by your Real Madrid your Bayern Munich who had adapted to Manchester United's style of play and it was a tough it was tough adaptation really because United had that set in stone midfield four of Beckham, Keane, Scholes, Giggs and Cole York and then Ruud van Nistelrooy. So it was hard for everyone to get fit into that. And the 4-2-3-1 for me, upon Veron's signing and with van Nistelrooy and not much else up front. I mean, you had Solskjaer, you had York and Cole who were nearing the end of their United careers in the early 2000s. They would have been... That was probably Ferguson's plan of signing Veron for the big European occasions. So you could have Keane Scholes, Veron, middle of the pitch, Beckham, Giggs out wide, Van Nistelrooy up front. And that was his plan, but it just didn't gel. Perhaps probably moving back and forth from system to system, Europe to domestically might not have helped. We'll be going to England next after this, where we've got an all-time Premier League instant classic from November the 4th, 2000. Are you a massive football nerd like me? Do you like quizzes? If you answered yes to the both of these, then I'm pleased to tell you about Teammates, a sponsor of What If Football and the Naughty's Nostalgia podcast. Climb the divisions, win the cups, all by linking Teammates. A spring chicken with no knowledge of when football didn't exist before 1992? Try the modern section. Too old and not up to date with your Mbappes or your Camavingas? Try vintage mode. It's a football quiz to suit everybody's needs. At teammates underscore app on Twitter 
teammatesapp.co.uk for monthly quizzes and merch, and teammates on the App Store. Look for the red and blue football, teammates. It really is a quiz like no other. And we are back. So now we've got an instant classic from the Premier League to talk about. Leeds for Liverpool 3, but let's get some context to this. To this team, to this game. George Graham, his rehabilitation period was over. He'd got a new job in football. He'd brought Leeds back into the top five where they belong, you might suggest, maybe. He'd secured UEFA Cup football for the club and... He left after a UEFA Cup win over Maritimo of Portugal with Leeds in 8th place. He'd left for Tottenham, quizzically really, uh, who were much lower than them in the league. But he would win a cup instantly, winning the League Cup and would eliminate Leeds from the 5th round of the FA Cup. But Leeds pressed on with somewhat of an Arsenal connection. Don't know if that's a coincidence or not, but David O'Leary took on his first managerial job, of course, former Arsenal captain. He wouldn't win in his first four league games at home but quickly steered Leeds to this purple patch. They only lost the likes of Highbury and Old Trafford before 1999. It got Leeds back where they belonged into the top four, which like they'd want to be this season. But it was a world where the top three qualified for the Champions League and Leeds had missed out by quite a big margin of eight points. They would, they were just on a rung below, like we were talking about with Manchester United earlier, they were rung below, they'd be held at, in crucial matches like they'd be held at home to Liverpool they'd lose to start, lose at Stamford Bridge but they would beat Arsenal in 99 handing United the league title which I don't know if Leeds fans would have mind losing that if it meant Man United winning, not winning the league and the O'Leary had gone through and he'd signed the likes of David Batty Eric Backer Danny Mills Michael Dubry Michael Bridges Dan, Darren Hooker Jason Wilcox and by the time 2000s come around they were anointed as United's main title rivals. They led the Premier League at Christmas and, however, Arsenal, United, Liverpool, all of them did the double over the Leeds and they finished in third. So that was, again, the step where they just missed out on the peak because of results of teams around them. They beat Liverpool to Champions League qualification. They'd got European experience fallen to Galatasaray in the UEFA Cup semi-final the previous year and though Leary had cultivated this sort of this youthful side you've got your Ian Hart's Gary Kelly's and Nigel Martin sort of Lucas Radaby as well as the sort of experienced mainstays at the club whilst you've got Jonathan Woodgate Harry Kewell who was a PFA Young Player of the Year at the, in the late 90s I think Lee Boyer Alan Smith They'd got first for the Champions League. A £12 million net spend became £30 million. They got into the UEFA Cup semi-finals against Valencia. You've signed Olivier Decor, Rio Ferdinand for a record feat, Mark Viduka and Robbie Keane. So with this, they've got now a blend of experienced youth. It seemed like the perfect team to then press on, win the Premier League and be there or thereabouts in the Champions League. So... Where do we place Leeds in the late 90s or early 2000s is the question I'm going to ask of you, dear viewer, to uh, let us know in the comments. Similar today, I think it's, well, obviously, they're exciting players. They've got an exciting way of playing. Now it's sort of like a high press, high work rate sort of like deal. They're always expected to be in the top six in the early 2000s, I believe, like sort of Chelsea, less so Chelsea really, but Arsenal, Manchester United, Liverpool... Newcastle as well were floating around. It was sort of like 
the main two were always Arsenal and Man United and then it was sort of like a four-way fight for that third spot in the Champions League that final spot in the Champions League Chelsea were always seemed to be sort of lurking underneath more of a cup team back then uh, Newcastle had Bobby Robson and Alan Shearer that, that superb partnership really um, often on the pitch and Liverpool were just coming to grips with getting back into Europe obviously Gerard Houllier was a big role in them getting back into Europe for the first time since the Hazel disaster into the Champions League sorry since the Hazel disaster and would build those foundations for them Rafa Benitez and just as Julio left his club David O'Leary was sacked in 2002 in somewhat of a desperate move um, despite Leeds not they never finished outside the top five under O'Leary um, and outside the sort of Howard Wilkinson era you know winning the league title Leeds' last top flight league title in uh, 1992 last old first division and Don Revy it was probably the most exciting era at Leeds I remember my local town he came on to switch the Christmas lights on it was would have been 2000 2001 and it was just a huge deal Leeds were everyone was a Leeds fan for me growing up in school which was bad news for me but anyway we push on Leeds had a troublesome start to the 2000-2001 season. They'd lost at newly promoted Man City, which, you know, hard to believe now. Ipswich as well, who would go on to finish in the top five this season. They'd drawn at likes of Coventry, Derby, Bradford, who would be sort of bottom feeders this season. And Bradford obviously getting relegated. Coventry following them. Derby just missing out on relegation. Last-ditch survival. They lost handsomely at Old Trafford, so it was the same story again. And even now, they weren't beating sort of the teams around them, and they weren't even beating the sort of lower end teams either. They had to beat Liverpool to get a foothold, and that's when we get to November the fourth, two thousand. They were tenth going into the game. Mark Viduka in his first season at Elland Road was on five Premier League goals. Herpia headed in early on. Marcus Babel headed in two, two set pieces, two goals down. It was a bit of a disaster. Leeds were falling apart a little bit, and then. You've got Viduka's clip that pulls a goal back after a Marcus Babel error and it's game on. He added in an equaliser in the second half, but then sort of like against the run of play, what well, I seem to remember, Liverpool roared back with Vladimir Smitsu, who always seemed to had the knack of scoring goals in like massive games, obviously in the 2005 Champions League final as well. So on the hour, the 3-2 ahead, and then Mark Viduka just turned it on. He pirouetted beyond the Liverpool defence, squeezed an equaliser in against the post, and then my memory of the game, like the most memorable part of it, sprung the offside trap and clipped the ball over Sander Vesterveld, the Liverpool goalkeeper. He scored two in three minutes, 4-3. He'd almost doubled his Premier League tally in one day, so he's on now on nine Premier League goals. He scored all four goals. Leeds have won 4-3, and it's sort of like the catalyst for them to kick on. But, it was a disastrous December for Leeds after this. Um, it killed their chances, really, at qualifying for the Champions League and consequently their long-term future, really, their tw- next 20 years. They lost at Leicester, Southampton, Newcastle, who w- would... Newcastle were the team that wanted to replace them and would replace them in the Champions League in the next couple of years. And they lost at home to Villa. They finished... They would finish a point behind Liverpool... And the net spend continued to rise, 16.5 million, despite they were top on New Year's Day in 2002, despite this disastrous December. But these losses meant they would miss out on the Champions League for a second season, and these high-risk loans from Peter Ridsdale killed the club for a generation, effectively. They would finish five points behind Newcastle, and then for the following season, you've got 
Ferdinand leaving 30 million to Manchester United. Robbie Keane leaving for 7 million. Lee Bowyer for 300,000. Jonathan Woodgate, 9 million. Robbie Fowler, 6 million. And from always finishing in the top five, they would finish 15th. 2003-4, which would be Leeds' last season in the Premier League until a couple of months ago. Harry Kewell leaves, Olivier Decor leaves, Nigel Martin leaves, relegated. And then before they get to the Championship, Alan Smith, of course, is the big casualty, leaving for Manchester United after he said he wouldn't leave for them. But he was always going to leave. James Milner left. Paul Robinson left. Mark Viduka, Ian Hart, Nick Barnby, Dominic Matteo, all of them. Danny Mills, da- Michael Bridges, Jason Wilcox. They recouped almost 70 million and wouldn't return to the Premier League for 16 years. The guts of their team was ripped out. But despite that, they were on the high end of uh, trying to re- return to the Premier League in 2006, obviously got to the championship playoff final in Watford and Leeds fans detest the playoffs because they're never all that good at them um, lost in the in 2009 to Doncaster as well that's in league one when they got relegated in 2007 obviously had that big points deduction where they would if they wouldn't have had the points deduction they'd gone up automatically the, the season after miss out to Doncaster and then 2010 finally third season lucky get promoted and then after nine years they had that blip it was sort of like a, they were mid-table. Uh, Huddersfield beat them to promotion, which probably a big sickener for them, because you know Huddersfield aren't as big a team as Leeds, and then they were, sort of went toe to toe with them. And then Leeds obviously grew rivals out of Aston Villa and Derby out of nowhere, and you know missed out on successive playoffs, and then finally became champions in 2020, and now are in an exciting period for the club because anything is possible now. They've got a great manager. Got a great string of players at Ailing, Bamford, Phillips, Stuart Dallas, etc., etc., etc. And could they replicate that as a Manchester United fan? It's terrifying to think, especially with next month's game between the two sides, where Leeds probably could be favourites, let's be honest. Um, but it's all like I said, this, there were big six when David O'Leary was in charge of the club with Newcastle and a Chelsea pre money. And Liverpool as well. So they're always like the, the biggest clubs. When people say biggest English club, Leeds are always sort of like at the forefront of people's minds. And it's better, obviously. No offence to teams like Bournemouth or Watford, but it's better to have a Leeds United in the Premier League than a Bournemouth or a Watford. It's just facts. And that's coming from a Manchester United fan. So I'm sorry any Bournemouth or Watford fans who have offended with that. And any Manchester United fans have offended with that. But, but it's, let's face it, they are... Premier League box office quality out there so and it helps that they lost 4-1 to Leicester on Monday night but we'll be talking about a different league after this break and La Liga in La Table never lies We are back and 20 years tomorrow, this is what La Liga table looked like. Deportivo had returned from bottling the league in 1994 and winning the Copa del Rey also in the mid-90s to finally win the league in 2000. They become the millennium's first La Liga champions and now as we look at the league table, they're third. Now as we exist, obviously, they've just been relegated to the third tier. 
of Spanish football, unfortunately. They were, as I've already stated earlier on in this episode, a nightmare for me as a Manchester United fan because they always used to beat us. Um, but yeah, the top team, as we look at this table now, Valencia, they were the new team on the block. They just got, they're just three months, three, four months removed from a Champions League final. Just coming off their first Champions League final, get to the Champions League final next year, losing to Bayern Munich. And obviously like Deportiva, their fortunes have quickly turned. Now they're in financial disarray. They've lost all their team. But now looking at this, only two losses from the first nine games. But the distraction of the Champions League run, another Champions League run, where they beat Leeds on the year. Uh, we see this episode all ties in together. It's perfect. So they beat Leeds in the semi-finals of the Champions League, then lose to Bayern Munich on penalties, as we've already discussed. The distraction of that meant they'd finish fifth, like Real Madrid the season before them, except the differences between Real Madrid and Valencia were that Real Madrid snuck in through the back door to qualify for the Champions League via winning the thing. Valencia, of course, wouldn't. Valencia missed out cruelly on head-to-head from Barcelona and lost at Espanyol this weekend, as we're talking, November the 5th. And they lost this weekend 1-0. Uh, Barcelona's local rivals, which... Looking back, if you're an Espanyol fan, I'm sure I've got loads of Espanyol fans who listen to this podcast. Um, <laughs> would they, like Leeds, gifting Manchester United the title in 99? Would Espanyol be happy? Would they just sacrifice a loss against Valencia to make sure that Barcelona wouldn't get into the Champions League and just the UEFA Cup? I think they probably would. Um, but yeah, as we're seeing now, Real Madrid are on hangover 7th place. They've got hangover after winning the Champions League, which is only natural, really. Like you see, national teams do it as well after winning like a big tournament. They slow slow out of the blocks the second um, season, and this continued here. They lost three one to Numancia, and Numancia. If you weren't a La Liga fan around this time, they're now in the third tier of Spanish football, the third tier alongside uh, Racing Santander, there who are occupying the relegation spots, and they were both. Um, they were both relegated earlier on this summer alongside Deportivo, really, uh, going into the third tier of Spanish football and are now plying their trade in the third tier for first time in quite some time. Alaves, who had made a great start, second, they won 4-0 this weekend to Real Oviedo, another team now not in the top flight of Spanish football in the Segunda, I think. And Alaves would have a fantastic season. They'd be, of course be in the UEFA Cup final against Liverpool, losing 5 4. They've got 4 goals against Liverpool, which is just phenomenal, really. Um, they would finish 10th, though. Whilst Mallorca were Real Mallorca, there they are 8th position. So, sort of like a bang average start for a team that had got. I think they'd had, they must have had Samuel Eto at the time and Fanidi George, perhaps, and there would be obviously a magical partnership. There would be the surprise package finishing third and would be in the Champions League. I think Arsenal had a few matches with Real Mallorca, come to think of it. And yeah, the Samuelito would, of course, go on to bigger and better things like winning the Champions League with Barcelona in 2009 and into Milan in 2010, as we discussed last week. So watch that episode if you've not watched that episode yet. Celta Vigo would start with five wins from nine and got a 1-0 win against Malaga here. Celta Vigo were on, right on the cusp of... Um, they were trying to crack into the Champions League at this uh, this sort of time. They were in the UEFA Cup, seemed to be a perennial UEFA Cup team. 99, 2000, 2001, reached the quarterfinals each time. They were a top seven team, sort of in perpetuity, it seemed. And finally would make the Champions League in a couple of seasons' time. They'd miss out again this time round. But 
it was a season where all promoted clubs stayed up. You've got Villarreal, now probably probably a staple in La Liga now, um, known for their Champions League exploits, especially in 2006 when they got to the semi-finals and lost to Arsenal, of course. They'd finished 7th, Las Palmas would finish 11th, and Osasuna would finish 15th. Osasuna recently coming back up to La Liga, Las Palmas meeting them on the way back down. Espanyol would drop out of La Liga historically a La Liga team alongside Mallorca Malaga also not in La Liga anymore Las Palmas Real Vallecano Real Zaragoza and Real Aviado as we've spoken about they're the teams that aren't in the top flight anymore alongside Santander Numancia and Deportivo La Coruña shockingly of all really so that means I think over half of the teams that you see on screen now aren't actually in La Liga as we speak today and we've got sort of like a new breed of Elche, Eibar, Cadiz, those sort of teams now occupying, and it's been a really radical shift. So that's sort of like what the Premier League was experiencing a couple of years ago with your Bournemouth, your Brightons, your Wiggins, Hulls, etc., etc., Swansea's. But after this break, we'll be discussing our 2000s trivial tees, and a lot of people got this wrong. It's a very difficult one, but we'll be back after this. So we are back with a 2000s trivial teaser and we've got a few incorrect answers to be, to discuss first. Tal Ben Haim from our good friend Harry, wrong. Yakubu from our good friend Matthew, wrong. Diamancy Camera from our good friend and patrons of the Naughty's Nostalgia podcast teammates app, wrong. But teammates app came back again, finally got the correct answer and it was of course Milan Barros. Milan Barros is of course a striker he's been managed by Harry Redknapp and Alan Perran both at Portsmouth he's played alongside Marcus Babel Liverpool Chris Kirkland Liverpool Gary Cahill Aston Villa Didier Drogba and Gabby Agbon Lahore Milan Barros of course Euro 2004 Golden Boot winner and is, the, is our next 2000s trivial teaser answer a Golden Boot winner at a tournament no he's a centre midfielder he's been managed by Stuart Pearce and Terry Venables He's played alongside Stuart Pearce as well, as we've managed by him. Stan Collymore, Pierre Van Hoydonk, Jimmy Floyd, Hasselbank and Henning Berg. Central midfielder, played and managed by Stuart Pearce and a whole host of other people. If you know the answer, tweet me at whatif underscore YouTube or plop it down in the comments below. We'll find out the answer next week to that one. But next week, of course, we'll be discussing... More Table Never Lies. We're going to Germany and 2000. We're going to look at, also on the continent, we're going to look at Roma's superb 2001 winning season, which we touched upon last week in Table Never Lies. We'll be discussing that at length and my memories of their championship manager team in 2002, no doubt. We've got a Premier League title race from 2008 as well to discuss. Elsewhere on the channel, we've got the 1997-98 season in the Premier League we've got a Real Madrid 5 aside, our fantasy 5 aside. the class of 92 has just gone up as well we're going to talk about Gerard Slip that was last week tier list of Ballon d'Or winners was um, yesterday and FIFA 99 review that has just come out this morning so check your eyes on that one I'm at what if underscore YouTube I will be back next week and until then silly
Social Podcast Network. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.